So let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are and the word that you bring to us. And God, you want to say so much to us. So God, push me out of the way and, and may your word um, take precedence. May you speak to those here that need to be spoken to in their unique ways. And God, as we all bring our own stuff here, uh, God, may we be not distracted, uh, but continue to be reminded of joy and hope that you bring. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So several years ago, uh, when I was in uh, seminary, uh, and for those of you that don't know much about seminary, it's a place where pastors go to, to study. It's a graduate program for theology uh, and ministry. Uh, and this is a place for me where my faith actually came alive. And for a lot of people, uh, there's a joke or a nickname for seminary called cemetery. Uh, they call seminary cemetery because it's the place you go to when your faith dies, or for your faith to die. And so uh, I had a completely different experience. And the reason why the nickname seminary became cemetery uh, of our faith is because you start to learn a lot. And you start to learn things that you've never learned before. You start to get asked questions about your faith. Uh, there's aspects of challenges of the things that you grew up with. And then you kind of, you leave thinking, oh my gosh, okay, now what do I actually believe. And I have so many peers and friends that actually even today have left the faith, ironically, because they went to seminary. For me, I had a completely different experience. I love the heady, academic, intellectual aspect of faith. For some reason, that part of faith makes me come alive. It's something that I appreciated, and I loved, you know, Engaging with others and, and learning big words and these theological concepts and perspectives. Uh, and, and for others, as they were challenged to kind of deconstruct their faith, and also I did too, uh, I actually ended up uh, enjoying it and appreciating it. The problem is, uh, for a lot of people that go to seminary, after you're done, especially right after you're done, there's this weird curse that happens to you. Uh, you go to church, and you listen to a sermon, uh, and you start to challenge everything the pastor says. Oh, well, that's not right. Well, well the original Hebrew or the original Greek says this. Uh, and, and so it's hard to actually receive a sermon uh, when you have this quote-unquote curse. Uh, you start to have these debates, and you start to like using big words like superlapsarianism and infralapsarianism, and you start to have these debates with, with your friends, not about... Uh, John Calvin or James Arminius, because that's too mainstream. We have debates between uh, Moltmann, this guy named Moltmann and Pannenberg, and you start to get a little stuck up about your faith, and that's kind of what happened to me, even though as I came out of my education, I loved the heady intellectual linear aspects of faith. I loved it. It was, way I came, it was the way I came alive in my faith. The linear aspect of faith was, was really, it was my jam. And I remember after graduating, as soon as I graduated seminary, uh, it was one of the busiest times of my life. Even to this day, there was so much going on. Uh, at the time, I was speaking at like two or three different retreats. I had uh, some things that I had to do at my own church that I was working at at the same time. I had some family things going on. I had some friendship things going on. 
there was a lot of things happening. And I remember as soon as I graduated, actually I had to finish another paper in order to officially graduate. There was so much going on uh, that I felt sick. I, I, I physically felt sick. And I remember my stomach, it was something in my stomach, it was hurting uh, night after night where I, I actually, I literally, I couldn't fall asleep. And, and I remember rolling around and I was taking all the stomach medication, you know, like over the counter, like my lantern, I was drinking that stuff like it was juice. I, I mean, I was struggling. Uh, and after, after a month of pain, I went to the doctor's uh, because oftentimes it takes me about that long to admit that I'm weak and I need help. Uh, and so after a month, I went into the doctors, uh, and they weren't sure what was happening, uh, but they felt like it was stress-induced. Stress um, and so I, I had to go back to the doctors a few more times. They ran tests on me. Uh, they shoved things down my throat, uh, and they finally concluded that I, I had ulcers in my stomach. Uh, and they said I had ulcers in my stomach because I was so stressed out. And so they gave me some medication, and I took it, and it didn't work. Still, night after night, uh, I couldn't fall asleep because my stomach was hurting so bad. I couldn't focus on my job. I had a hard time speaking at these engagements. Like, I had a hard time with life. I was in so much pain pretty much the entire day and entire night. Uh, and I was in so much pain uh, that I ended up going to the best place when you're sick, which is home. So I went to mom and dad's house. Uh, and, and keep in mind, at the time, I was living in Los Angeles. Uh, and so I was like, you know what? I don't feel great. It's been like this for months and weeks. And so I'm going to fly up, Mom and Dad. And so they got their, you know, my old room ready. And I was sitting there. And I remember the second night, I was so tired. I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired uh, that I got up out of bed in the middle of the night. And I got down on my knees and I said, God... Will you heal me? Uh, and I remember praying. I was like, I was like I've, I've heard my friends do this, and so I'm going to copy my friends. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, will you come and will you heal my stomach ache? And, 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 I, kept, and I was like, I was crying, and I was praying this. Uh, and it was weird for me because, like I said, I went into seminary loving the linear aspect of the intellectual faith. I had friends that were really spiritual, that spoke in tongues and prophesied and all those things. And, and I said, you know what? That's great. That's good for you. Eh, you know, that's, that's not really how I express my faith. I'm more into, you know, the languages and the scripture and going deep. Uh, and so when I was on my knees and I was praying, I was like, Holy Spirit, heal me. It was very foreign to me. It's not something I'd ever done before. And still in that pain, I went back to sleep and I was able to fall asleep. And no exaggeration and no embellishment, I woke up the next morning feeling zero pain. And I always, I'm always hesitant about telling this story because, again, maybe it's my own insecurities because I gravitate towards intellectual, towards the heady, towards the linear aspect of faith. And so I don't really resonate with that. And so when I share this story, I become very hesitant because I know there's people like, oh, man, that's, yeah, right. You know, I have, I'm skeptical oftentimes when I hear stories like this. You know, I have friends that aren't Christian. I have friends that aren't really understanding what this means. And I tell them the story. I was like, I don't know what it is. 
But I woke up that morning after weeks and and months of, of pain in my stomach, I woke up completely healed. And there was something that mo- in that moment that changed in my understanding of faith. I truly believe I was healed by the Holy Spirit. And, and as you sit in this room, whether you have a physical pain, an emotional pain, spiritual pain, uh, or any type of weakness, just know that hope breaks through. And this Advent is a reminder that hope breaks through in our weakness through the Holy Spirit. And the question I want to start off with, where, where are you feeling weak? Where are you feeling tired or maybe overwhelmed or stressed or actually sick? Just know that there's hope. That the Holy Spirit is working in and through you as we speak. And see, we, we easily forget or neglect this whole idea of the Holy Spirit, but it's all throughout the Scripture. In fact, it's all throughout the Advent story, and that's why we're talking about it. Because along with Jesus, Mary, Joseph, uh, Elizabeth, Zechariah, the Holy Spirit is also one of the main characters all throughout the Advent story, especially in Luke chapter 1. And let me just read you a few texts. It says, Luke chapter 1, verse 15, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink. He's talking about John. Uh, And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. Verse 41 says, when Elizabeth, heard Mary, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with what? Was filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 67, his father, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. But here's part of the text this morning that I want us to focus on and be amazed by. And we talked a little bit about this last week, where the angel said to Mary, you will be pregnant with the Messiah. And again, Mary understood her biology and science, and she said, me pregnant? How can I be pregnant when I'm still a virgin? She says, I, you know, I, I feel like I know what she's thinking. She's thinking uh, to the angel Gabriel, I, I know how this works. And I'm a virgin, so I can't be pregnant. And so throughout the Luke chapter 1, not only herself, but even her, 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 her family members, her sisters, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they all had doubt in how they eat Elizabeth and Mary was going to get pregnant. Mary was saying, I am a virgin. How am I supposed to get pregnant? How is this going to happen? She was weak in her faith and strong in her doubts. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel answered this. The response was, okay, Mary, you want to know how you're going to be pregnant even though you're a virgin? The answer is this. The Holy Spirit, here we go again, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I love that. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In your weakness, the Holy Spirit will do work is what the angel is saying to Mary. The Holy Spirit will, will give you strength to give birth, to raise, to love, to care for the Savior of the world. That's big news. That's a big promise. Mary says, how am I supposed to do this? How am I, A, supposed to get pregnant? B, how am I supposed to raise the Savior, the Messiah of the world? And and the answer is this. The answer is the Holy Spirit will come on you and will overwhelm you, will overcome you. Whatever your weaknesses are, whatever you feel like you can't do, whatever miracles you think you need, it says the Holy Spirit will be in and through you. I love that. I mean, you have to imagine Mary, who's a virgin, who wasn't even married yet, technically, to Joseph, who was probably the, the age around 13 or 14. Can you imagine as a 13-year-old, which was common to be married around this time during this, uh, in the first century? Can you imagine as a 13-year-old, an angel appears and says, you will be pregnant, even though you're unmarried, even though you're a virgin, to the Savior of the world. And Mary says, how? What? When? Where? Who? How is this going to happen? The answer was simple. The Holy Spirit. And the good news about this Advent story uh, and the story of the Holy Spirit is that the same Holy Spirit who gave birth to Jesus Christ, the Savior and the hope of our world, is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in us today, right now. That's a powerful thing to think about. The same Spirit that engulfed, that overshadowed, that gave strength to the weakness of Mary, that impregnated her with the Savior of the world, that gave her strength to raise a son who would be the Messiah, the king of our lives, is the very same spirit that indwells in us today. And so do you need healing? Do you need a miracle in your life? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you confused? Are you depressed? Are you facing anxiety? Here's the hope this Advent season. The same spirit that gave strength to Mary is the same spirit that gives strength to you today, right now, right now. This is incredible news. And and, and so let me just say this. Uh, Oftentimes there's, there's sermons that I give that I sometimes don't really resonate with, but I feel like I need to teach the scriptures. There's some sermons that I give that I feel like is so visceral that it just hits me hard. And during this last week or so when I was preparing this sermon, this ended up being one of those sermons where I looked at the text and I looked at the content and it wasn't just about me preaching to you. It was about me learning and growing and being spoken to by the Spirit. And the news uh, this understanding that the same spirit that works miracles in the lives of, the, uh, of people in the Old Testament, the New Testament, is the same spirit that engulfs us today was a powerful message to me. It was personal. When I was, yesterday I had a, um, 
all day it was a, it was a CrossFit competition. Uh, and for hours we were exercising, we were working out. Uh, and as I was driving back, I was just, as you can imagine, my body was just tired. Uh, I was physically, I, I was just fatigued uh, from, from the day. Um, I was just feeling really raw. I don't know what it is. Maybe you felt like this before. When your body feels physically weak, you just feel that way in and all throughout your body. And as I was driving back in this state, uh, I turned on one of the podcasts that I listened to. It's called The Liturgist, uh, and, I, and I love it. And there was this uh, segment on this podcast about shame. And as I was listening to this podcast, there's something in me that resonated really a, a ton with the speaker on the podcast, the liturgist podcast, when, it, when he was talking about shame and, and his life story and his experience with shame. And, and again, and, and maybe I was in this really raw state, but as I was driving, I was literally, I was crying as I was driving because I was resonating so much with this whole idea of shame that this person on this podcast was speaking about. And, and as I was wrestling with this idea of shame, and it's something that I feel like I've wrestled with for a long time, I had to go back to the message that I was preparing for this morning. And then in my state of shame and being reminded of it, even resonating with it, I had to pray in the name of Jesus as I was crying in the car driving home in the name of Jesus. Spirit, will you come in? Will you remind me? Will you overshadow me in my feeling of shame that this is not the truth? And so this sermon was so personal. And, then, and I feel like that's his sermon just right there, that the same spirit that worked in Mary is the same spirit that works in us. I feel like I can just drop the mic and walk out because that, that's the message. That's the message. And yesterday I felt so much healing in that as I was driving in tears listening to this thing about shame. I prayed, Spirit, heal me. And remind me of the truth of who I am. And so quickly, I wanted to talk about three ways that the Spirit moves in our lives. And the first is this. The Spirit intercedes. The Spirit intercedes. In Romans chapter 8, 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he, search, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I love the first verses. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. Sometimes we don't know where to start. Sometimes we don't know what to ask for. And it says, just, just pray in the Spirit. Sometimes to me that sounds something like this. God, I don't know what's going on with me, but God, I need you. God, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but Spirit, will you come and will you overcome this feeling, this emotion, or whatever this is, whatever's happening. In my sickness, I don't know why I'm sick. I don't know why my stomach is hurting, but Spirit, will you come and heal me? 
See, this whole idea of saying we do not know what we ought to pray for, it's saying we don't know what we need sometimes, but we know that we are in need. It says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For a lot of us, we're weak and we have to admit that. The Spirit takes over at the moment we admit, we own, and we name our weakness. The very fact for us to say, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know where to start. That in essence is saying, you know what? You are owning your weakness. And in this culture, in the society where weakness is bad, this whole thought of confessing our weakness is kind of, kind of a big deal. We kind of cringe at this thought of saying, I am weak, even though that is in the very essence of where the Holy Spirit works. See, God uses weakness for our receptivity, for us to receive. And receptivity is a prerequisite for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. It's kind of common sense, right? We get help when we ask for help. We ask for help when we realize we need the help. That's, that's common sense. When we feel like we don't need help, we're never going to ask for help. Therefore, we're not going to get help. And so this is saying, you need help. And God helps you in your weakness. But the common sense thing is you have to ask for it and you have to acknowledge it. And although that's common sense and that's very simple, for us to say, I need help, is very difficult. Especially uh, in this society, in this culture, when asking for help is a bad thing because then you're acknowledging you are weak. And the way of God is so upside down. The kingdom is so upside down. It's the weak that will be strong. It is the last that will be first. You must die to live. Everything is so backwards, including strength that we receive from the Holy Spirit, because the prerequisite of that is to know that we need it. And I know that this is a hard one for me. I mean, I grew up in a very traditional, cultural Korean family where my dad was very Korean. And a part of that is what I mean is crying is bad, weakness is bad, confessing that you're weak is bad. And that's the family system. Now, I love my parents. And they raised me the best they knew how, but I myself was callous to this idea of, of asking for help. And whenever I cried or asked for help, I thought of myself as weak, where it, weak as in it was a bad thing, as if weakness was like the W word. It was like a derogatory word. Like if someone says, you're weak, that would be very offensive. In the kingdom of God, you should say, thank you, I am, because it's in that moment something changes. A few years ago around this time, it was like when the winter was starting, I started seeing a therapist. And I know, especially during this time, it was like, you know, there's some stigma around it. I, I, just, I want to assure you that there isn't uh, and that therapy is a good thing, that God uses therapists to help us in our lives. I started seeing the therapist, who I, who I love dearly, even to this day. Uh, and I was, you know, I was talking to him about some of the, the feelings that I was going through, some of the stirrings that I was going with, some of the shame that I've, I felt uh, that still creeps up on me today. Uh, and this is kind of a time of my own confession. 
uh, in my own vulnerability. So thank you for being that space for me. My therapist says, you know, after all, the, all these conversations, says, you know what, Prentice? Uh, with the season and everything, I think you have what we would call uh, seasonal affective disorder. Sad. You know, so and I was like, well, what is that? And he says, it's this, it's this clinical depressive state. It's this, it's this depression that's caused oftentimes by the weather. Because the pattern was that when it got cold, when it got dark, oh, man, I, was, I, I secluded myself. I didn't want to hang out with anybody. I just wanted to be by myself. That's just kind of the way I dealt with it. Uh, and he says, you know what? You have seasonal affective disorder. And my response, again, which was ironic, was shame. And it was anger. Well, wait, what? You're saying that I, I have depression? Because to me, that was a sense of weakness. And side note, to me, to, for me to say this out loud in front of a community is very difficult. But I noticed something started to change uh, when I decided to accept this part of who I am. Because I'll confess to you, I still, I still wrestle with this even today. I, it, but I would say that there was this healing that started to happen when essentially I was able to say, hello, my name is Prentice Park and I have depression. Something in there started to change. Healing started happening. Because in my confession of weakness, I had to look to my higher power, to God. And I prayed, Spirit, overwhelm me. Overcome me in my depressive state? Will you intercede? The first point, the Spirit intercedes in our weakness. I'm feeling weak. I confess. Spirit, will you come? And will you just take over? I mean, that is part of the spiritual life. This is what faith looks like. It's when we end and the Spirit begins. God, intercede. Send your Holy Spirit to bring healing, to speak truth, to bring life, to bring joy into my life. Because God uses weakness for our receptivity. And being receptive, there's a prerequisite, and that's for us to own and name our weakness. That is where the Holy Spirit works best. Is there a place in our lives where we need to own weakness? where we have fallen short, not just with our relationship with God, maybe it's with others, maybe it's with our work, maybe it's with our monies, maybe it's with our job. I don't know what it is. Is there a place where we need to confess our weakness? Because congratulations, it's at that point of confessing our weakness and owning it and naming it that healing happens because the Spirit can say, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready. The Holy Spirit intercedes. This, number two, the Spirit interrupts. And again, we saw this in the, chapter, uh, the first chapter of Luke, verse 35. The Spirit interrupts. There's this feeling of doubt, both in, in, in Elizabeth and Zechariah as a couple, and also Mary and Joseph. There's doubt on both ends. How are we supposed to be pregnant? Elizabeth says, I'm too old. Mary says, I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? How? 
And I feel like a lot of us can resonate with that question of doubt. How is this going to happen? What is going to happen next? What do I have to do? This can't happen. Maybe it is. Maybe, you know, for me, it is my anxiety. Maybe it's the anxiety or depression for you. Maybe it's fears. Maybe it's confusion. Maybe it's sickness. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a lack of forgiveness. In that moment, the spirit interrupts and says, that is not true. Let me take over. The spirit it reveals lies that are happening in our lives. I'm not good enough. I don't look good enough. I don't weigh the right amount. I don't wear the right clothes. I'm not rich enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not whatever you fill in the blank. Everybody has a fill in the blank. I'm not fill in the blank. And the spirit intercedes and interrupts and says, stop that. That's not true. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, uh, it names all these things and says that that is not true of the Spirit. Let me tell you what is true. It says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. Kindness to others. It's kindness to ourselves. It's generosity. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness. And it's self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. The Spirit interrupts the lies that are interfering in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, and faithfulness. If it's antithetical to that, it is not the fruit of the Spirit. And let me just, let me just kind of tell you a truth about the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of times we say, we use this word fruit as if it's plural. Fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit, like there's several fruits. No, the original language, the real word is a singular fruit. There is one fruit that possesses love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness. One fruit. That is the spirit in our lives. And if it's not of that, it's something else. And it's not of who God is. There's one spirit, the same spirit again that gave birth to Christ is the same spirit that gives birth to strength and hope in my life and in your life. The spirit intervenes and the spirit interrupts. There's voices. There's things that we believe in today right now where the spirit wants to interrupt and say, that is not true. Where is that in your life? Where is it that in your life that speaks something opposite, antithetical to the fruit, that one fruit of the Spirit? And lastly, the Spirit intervenes. The Spirit intervenes. The Spirit fights on our behalf. And I'll say this, in spiritual battles. See, sometimes a battle in our lives is physical. Sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's emotional, and the Bible says sometimes it's spiritual. And I know as Bethany as a whole, we don't like to talk about spiritual warfare and spiritual battles and this, and this world being bigger than of ourselves, but I can't help but to say that it's in the scripture. And to neglect it is to neglect what God is saying. In Ephesians chapter 6 
uh, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God. We've all learned about the armor of God, especially if you grew up in the Sunday school. Uh, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then a few verses later, it says, pray. So then what should we do? Pray in the Spirit at all times and, every, and in prayer and supplication. Sometimes the battles in our lives is within ourselves. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. And sometimes it's spiritual and it's a realm bigger than of ourselves that where we need the Spirit to help, to guide, to strengthen our lives. It says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and me when we need, where we need. And it's not just you. Have hope in this. It's not just you, but it, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's your worst enemy. Maybe it's the people that you watch on the news. Maybe it's white supremacists. Maybe it's uh, the government. Maybe it's the system. Maybe it's whoever it is. Maybe it's someone you're angry with. Maybe it's this person or that person. You have to believe that in the spiritual realm of battle, in the spiritual realm of, of spiritual warfare uh, or, or uh, of people being angry or people being hurt, or maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody else, the Spirit can heal and to bring peace and to bring joy, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not just for you, but it's for others. And I encourage us to pray for that for others. Spirit, will you intervene? Spirit, will you interrupt in the life of my friend, in the life of my spouse, in the life of my child, in the life of this person that I highly disagree with, in the life of this person that is filled with anger, in the life of this person that is filled uh, with unforgiveness. Holy Spirit, will you come? And I promise you that the Holy Spirit moves, maybe not in the way that you think, Maybe not in the timing that you have, but just know that the Holy Spirit moves because the Holy Spirit is about the miraculous. It's about mystery. And so all throughout scriptures, when we see the Holy Spirit move, it, it, the Spirit moves in different ways. There's spiritual languages like tongues and prophecy and interpretation. And for some of us, that kind of creeps us out. For me, yeah, it's kind of strange. I've never, I'll be honest with you, maybe this, maybe I'm less holy because I've never done this, but I've never spoken in tongues. I've never prophesied. I've had people do that with me. I've heard people prophesy over me. And I'll confess, there's times where I'm like, mm-hmm, right. You know, I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, you know, just something so generic. I'll have, you know, people like, oh, man, God, Prentice, God is, God has given me a word for you. Yeah, what's that? Oh, man, your life is like water. I've heard that, like, this was just not too long. I'm not making fun of this person. It's like, here, when, I, when, I, when I come across you, I think of water. Yeah, what about water? Oh, it's big, and it's powerful, and it's wide. Yeah? Yeah, man, it's going to be great. You're going to have a great life. Really? Thank you. 
it, you know, and so sometimes I can imagine it, it being very, us being very skeptical, but that is the power of the Spirit, that it goes beyond our knowledge. It goes beyond who we are, and it dives into the miraculous, the mystery, because that's the way the Spirit works, and we don't always know how. We don't always know when. Again, yesterday, going back to that competition, it, I had a strange and, and beautiful moment. I, I saw a friend that I haven't talked to in a year. I, and the funny thing is, I saw her. The last time I talked to this friend was at this very same CrossFit competition that was last year. I, and so I remember she and I, we were talking, and she was, she was crying. And she was like, Prince, I don't know what's going on with me. Here's how I'm feeling. She was going through some life stuff. She was going through some relational stuff, a, a really bad breakup. And, and we went into the car, and we started praying. I started praying with her. At, we left the competition. We got into the car, and I just started praying over her. And I remember, was, I remember distinctively, and I don't always do this, and I said, Spirit, will you come and will you just change her heart? And she started crying. I was like, Holy Spirit, will you come and will you just, you know, reveal truth into her life? Holy Spirit, will you do this and that? And, and that's not the way I typically pray. This was last year. And, and I haven't talked to her since. Maybe a few social media stuff here and there. I saw her yesterday. And she says, Prentice, Prentice, uh, I have great news. You know, some of this ha stuff happened over the past year. Uh, and she said, guess what? I'm engaged now. She said, hey, remember last year I was praying because of this nasty breakup and this pain and this hurt and all these things? Well, guess what? A year later, a full circle, at the very same CrossFit competition, she says, I'm engaged now. Will you do our wedding? And I said, absolutely, I will do your wedding. And it was an incredible experience because I don't know what the Holy Spirit did. I don't know how the Holy Spirit worked, but it was kind of humorous, the, the timing, the same competition, a year later, we went from death to life. We went from, from ugliness and hurt and pain to beauty. And in my role, I was praying over her with tears. And a year later, as the Holy Spirit was working and moving and healing, a year later, exactly a year later, she says, will you do our wedding? From praying into tears to joy and laughter. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. I don't know how. I can't pretend that I do, but the Holy Spirit is working in your life, working in my life, working in this congregation and then in this church. I love John chapter 14. It says, I have said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the advocate, or the help of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. There's places in our lives where we need the Spirit to heal, to comfort, to bring peace, especially in our weakness. And I'm going to give us an opportunity to, to respond to that. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. But as they come up, a couple months ago, I went to, uh, uh, to hear this poet, Yersa Daly Ward, at the African American Museum down in Rainier Valley. Uh, and it's a, she's a secular author, uh, poet, 
And so if, I do think this is a great book, a uh, book of poetry, but I would not read it to your children at night. Uh, and, and there's this one poem that says this. It says, just because you do it doesn't mean you, will, you always will. Just because you do it doesn't mean you always will. Whether you're dancing dust or breathing light, you're never exactly the same twice. Whether you're dancing dust, isn't that beautiful? Whether you're dancing dust or breathing light, you're never exactly the same twice. The Spirit is moving. I don't know how, but we are constantly being touched and being overwhelmed. Even though we don't feel it, even though we don't embrace it always, the Spirit is moving. It's healing, changing, comforting, strengthening, and bringing us peace in our weakness. And this is, I guess you'd call it coincidence or divine. As we light our Advent candle, the second week in the liturgical calendar where the whole world shares in the Advent, the second candle represents peace. Peace. Peace I give to you through the Holy Spirit. And so this morning in our response, our response is a prayer. And it says this, it says, Holy Spirit, I need you to meet me in my, and I don't know what that is for you. Maybe, maybe it's a pain or a despair. Remember last week we talked about groaning, that the Spirit meets us in our groaning. And what is the definition of groaning? It's an inarticulate response to pain and despair. Holy Spirit, I need you to meet me in my darkness, in my depression, in my anxiety, in my anger, in my pain, in my bitterness. As we are reminded this Advent that the same Holy Spirit that gave birth to our Savior, the hope, the Messiah, the King of the world, is the same Spirit that engulfs us, overwhelms us, in our time of need, in our time of weakness. So we're gonna sing a song. You're invited just to sit and listen. You're invited just to look at these candles as the second candle represents peace. Where do you need peace in your life? And to believe that the spirit moves right there. There's nothing magical about writing it down, but there's something unique about it. I encourage you to write it down as we think about these things. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. And as we talk about who you are, the Holy Spirit, triune God, will you meet us right where we need to be met? Will you interrupt the lies that we believe about ourselves, about others, about you? Will you intervene in the moments that we don't know what to pray, we don't know where to start?
we just know that we are in need, we are weak, and we need your strength. God, for many of us, maybe it's something much bigger. Maybe it's a spiritual attack. Maybe it's, it's the lies that we believe is from Satan, and we need you to push that out of our lives and be reminded of truth. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.